Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Sailor Snacking, the podcast where we talk about the 1990s Sailor Moon anime, and we have a yummy snack. I'm Jen, and as always, I'm joined by Tracy. Hello, listeners. So, Tracy, why don't you tell us about this week's snack? So, this week, we have seaweed, and we went with a particular brand called Big Roll Grilled Seaweed Roll. So, it's got this little cute little character on the front of the box and it looks like it's going to be a tasty treat. Hey, I'm not going to lie. The little character on the front was part of the reason why I'm like, Ooh, let's try that. I know. He's kind of cute. He's like, uh, got his like little red hat on. He's got a little <laughs> ponytail and he's hugging the seaweed. So. Oh yeah. I didn't notice the ponytail. All right. Yeah. <laughs> we'll post pictures. <laughs> we will. We always do on Instagram. Um, and today we have our returning special guest who's been on our show many times. We have Karina. So welcome Hello. back to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Uh, so with for Karina's history with Sailor Moon, you could go way back to our early episodes. Um, episode two. Episode-, <laughs> <laughs> episode two. Episode eight. Sixteen. Episode- right? Yeah. Uh, or 17, I don't know. Our numbering got mixed up with that with our lost episode, so now we don't know what number we're on. I think we're on 21 today. Um, yeah, so today we are going to be talking about, we are very close to the end, folks. We're talking about episodes <clears throat> 41 and 42. Uh, I Won't Run Away From Love Anymore, Ami versus Mamoru, and episode 42, Sailor Venus's Past, Minako's Tragic Love. And episode 42 was not part of the original English dub. So uh, this is like a brand new episode for some people. Um, I don't know why have... they wouldn't have included this one. I honestly was thinking that while I was watching it. And I'm like, maybe it's because she blew up. <laughs> but she there was did. a big fiery explosion. Mm. Yeah. But spoiler alert, she didn't die. <laughs> <laughs> But Sailor V did. (laughs) Uh, And her awesome outfit. Yeah, her awesome outfit died. That was sad. I mean, I love the Venus outfit, but I do prefer the Sailor V. Yeah, it's really, really awesome. Um, All right, so we will start with episode 41, I Won't Run Away From Love Anymore, Ami versus Mamoru. And this one uh, is where they decide... For some reason, they're going to recatch all of the Rainbow Crystal monsters. So all of the people who held Rainbow Crystals previously. And turn them into one big monster. And uh, we get Ami's boyfriend, Ryo, back. That's basically it. (laughs) Well, like, he's not really her boyfriend. No, that's the whole point of the 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 show, is that they're like... Mm She needs to be, she needs to realize her feelings. Uh, I mean, so, I think by the end of the episode, she's come to that conclusion. Mm-hmm. So overall, um, Tracy, what did you think of this episode? Um, it was okay. I really liked her sweater with the A on it. Mommy's <laughs> sweater. It's so cute. <laughs> That's what you got out of this episode? Sweater. Um, well, <laughs> I just thought that it was a little weird that they're both like, so um, Mako says that Amy is running away, you know, from 
something, I guess. And then Rio was also, yeah, like running away from his feelings as well. And I'm like, I feel like that's like very typical of a teenager to do. So that's fine. (laughs) I I don't get why Rio's running away from his feelings. Well, actually, I kind of do. I guess he doesn't want to become involved with Ami because he thinks he's a monster. And Ami doesn't want to become involved with Rio because uh, she has her duty as a sailor senshi. Which I think comes up again in another episode in, in uh, Sailor Moon R. She's very serious. Um, yeah. What I like about episode 41 and then episode 42 is that we get to see a lot of Ami's personality. And then we get to see a lot of what really drives Monaco as well. Um, yeah. And Usagi's in these episodes and you see how they interact with her, but it really is just about getting to little to know a little bit more about what really motivates Ami in this episode. Mm-hmm. So like it's her responsibility and her duty. She's very obviously either an the oldest child or an only child. Um, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, right. Well, she's al- and she's always been a really serious character. Mm hmm. Um, so what did you think about this episode, Karina? I've got to say, I kind of skipped over all the Yami stuff, and I really liked all the Endymion. I don't like Tuxedo Mask as an adult, um, but Endymion, <laughs> I, I'm pretty impressed with. Um, did anyone else notice he's a lot more effective at getting these dark crystals than he ever was with collecting the rainbow crystals as Tuxedo Mask? Yeah, he yeah. got a lot meaner. Like, he, he got more, <laughs> I guess, focused on... Uh, on his job as being Endymion, um, mm-hmm. even to the point where he's like, I'm not Memoru, I'm Endymion. And, the, I, and I really liked that in this episode, the girls really needed to make that distinction in their minds. Like, don't call him Memoru anymore. He's Endymion. Mm-hmm. And that's, he's not the guy you knew. But he was never really focused as Mamoru, right? Like, that was the point of him. The only, so he is very much a more, determined focused character as Endymion so that is a very important point to note yeah but in the previous episodes like so the last episode we watched was uh at Usagi when they went to the lake and uh Usagi confronted Mamoru and he didn't remember her but before that with the ice skating he was still saving them and fighting with them, sort of. So it's like, this is the first time where he's like, he seems like he's actually against them. Before he was kind of like half-assed being their enemy, and now he's like, okay, I'm committing to this. I really so, liked his fight with Jupiter. We're not yes. used to seeing him do much. You know, he's we've always kind of commented and joked that he just throws a rose and leaves, but like he had a full-on fight. Like we don't normally see that. It's normally just the girls pulling out their superpowers and everything's done. But this was an actual fight. Yeah, and it was a good fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I liked at the very, very, very beginning, like the first scene where we get Reka uh, in Africa, mm-hmm. and and Demian shows up to capture her. You think that the first thing she would say is, Memoru, why are you here? Because they're buddies. Right? <laughs> That's Nothing. so true. I totally or, didn't even Memoru, is that, that you? You know, something like that. Like, a guy who looks just like your boyfriend's best friend shows up and wearing a weird costume. But I mean, like, his face is the same. He's not wearing a mask. So I was like, Should he, she, shouldn't she kind of recognize him? <laughs> That's a I, great point. Yeah. <laughs> I also find it weird that, okay, so 
Ami is usually on the pulse of everything that's happening. I find it really strange that Ryu has to call her and say, hey, all the other people who were the monsters are being captured and I'm next. Like, it's in the news. I'm surprised that she didn't catch on that five people have already been captured. Or he's done it, and Damien's has done it super quickly. It's not like he's taking his time and, and coming up with an elaborate plot to catch them. He just shows up and goes, you're in my crystal now, bye, on to the next one. So maybe it, it happens super effective. quickly. <laughs> yeah. So like by the time the news reported that uh, the author had been has had gone missing, you know, all of them had already been caught. Because mm-hmm. and didn't he know because he had the precognition that he was going to be taken as well too that he was looking for those stories? Because I feel yeah. like there's so much that happens in the news; it's easy to miss things from time to time. Yeah, but not um, Ami. <laughs> <laughs> But they don't have any reason to be watching after these people anymore. Like, the crystals are out of them. They're healed. Like, they don't need to keep tabs on them anymore. Mm -hmm. Because they they should just be doing their own lives again. Um, So to have them come back a second time is, is... not has never happened before for them. They're like, but we healed them. Why, why are we, why do we have to help them again? So I kind of um, liked that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did also like that the girls were using their communicators to talk to each other. I mean, I feel like in 2020, we don't really think too much of this because FaceTime is just a thing. But I mean, that was, I remember seeing that in the nineties and that was really neat that they were able to call each other and see each other's faces. So I think that was a really effective fun thing that they had to communicate in the time when this came out. Yeah. And it's nice to see them using their gadgets. They don't use them all the time. Mm-hmm. They just other people just, you know, happen to show up. <laughs> yeah. I mean with the exception of Ami who regularly uses hers. Yeah. Um I loved that when they're crossing the street and, and Endymion meets up with Rio and Rio's mm-hmm. like, I'm gonna make my own future. Help me <gasps> Yes. <laughs> That was awesome. That was so good. My favorite part of that was that people actually turned on Endymion. Like, if, mm-hmm. if someone were to do that now, in this day and age, everyone would have scrambled, right? But the fact yeah. that, like, strangers in the street are turning on Endymion, I thought was so sweet. Yeah. Like, all the 90s were a good time. <laughs> The 90s were so much more innocent. <laughs> right? You know what? They really were. I was just randomly flipping through YouTube the other day, and this video came out, and it was just, like, 1998, and I watched it. And it's just clips of, like, different movies and songs that were out. And I looked at my husband and just said, that was a really good year. I miss the mid-90s. Like, life was pretty easy. Granted, coming from a place of being uh, someone who is not a person of color, I don't know if the experience was different. That's true. With that, but I just remember 1998 quite fondly, and this is a little bit before. Yeah. Good old days. Um, yeah. <laughs> Good old days. Because uh, the Endymion is so mean. Like the way he yeah. was talking to Jupiter and Mercury. Whoa. Yes. Like he oh, does yeah. not hold back. He is like Wait. evil angel on Buffy. He's got like an edge to him, anyways, though, right? Like even at when he was mom. Mamoru, right? So this is just, I think, more evilness because of that dark energy. That's true, yeah, because it's... when Tuxedo Mask, when indeed, when Mamoru didn't know he was Tuxedo Mask, we, we said that Tuxedo Mask was kind of nice, and Mamoru was a jackass. 
Mm -hmm. then when Mamoru knew he was Tuxedo Mask and could control it and got some of his memories back, Tuxedo Mask became a little bit more of a jerk. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. And now we have him fully infused with the dark energy and his like full jerkiness is coming out and he's just not nice at all. So we've agreed that he's just a jerk all around and he's just better at controlling it when he's not a deviant? (laughs) Yeah, kind of. He's got jerky (laughs) tendencies. He does. He can be nice. Yeah. I mean, I just feel like he just was projecting a lot of his anxiety and anxiousness on people, particularly Soggy in the beginning of the series. Yeah, like he didn't know how to be a normal person or a a social person, which is fair enough because I don't know how to be a social person either half the time. Um, I'm going to note as well, too, because I know we've talked about timelines for the show before. There's a lot of snow in this episode. It's very clearly winter. You see Ray clearing out um, the temple. Mm-hmm. With I can't remember his name in the Jap- in the Japanese one, but Chad in the in the dub Yuichiro. and her grandfather. Yes, that's it. Um, which is also interesting because the next episode it is not the winter. Yes, what happened? Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, no. this must be I guess toward the end of, or there's another time jump. I don't know. Maybe there's probably it's like, a time jump. Yeah, maybe it's yeah. like southwestern Ontario winters where it's snowy one day and then three days later it's fine. It's three fine. days later, it's summer. Yeah, then you can go take a, a boat across the ocean. Yeah, yeah, no big deal. Um, I did like in the if you know, I don't know if you noticed in the background of that scene where uh, Yuichiro and, and Grandpa are clearing the snow mm-hmm. while the girls are having their conversation and they're telling Usagi to go. Uh, in the background, Yuichiro and Grandpa are having a snowball fight. <laughs> Oh, cute. oh, I didn't I even notice that. that. It was so cute. Because <laughs> she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like walking down the hall. And then like in the background, they're they're pelting with each other with snowballs. I like Uchiro. I did not say that correctly. I liked him in the dub. And I really like him in the original Japanese. I hope, I can't remember. Do we get more of him later on? Maybe? I don't, yes. I don't think he comes back for a while, though. But I think there is at least one more episode with him. Okay. I like him. Yeah, doesn't he have, like, more of a romantic uh, relationship with Ray? Uh, I don't know how much more they touch on that. Because after, Mm. once this season is over, it really becomes focused on on Usagi and Mamoru's relationship. Gotcha. Yeah. And all the other girls are just kind of, like, they get more and more into the background. Especially as you get more and more senshi. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love the winter outfits. Yeah. Same. Like the bulky sweaters mm-hmm. that they wear and the fun colors. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I want Usagi's coat. It just <laughs> looks so nice and warm. So comfy. <laughs> but she's wearing it with bare legs. Yes. She's- and she's cold. So I, I'm not getting that fashion choice. But in all fairness, I probably did make fashion choices like that when I was a teenager. So mm-hmm. I can't really judge there. But it's a, like a cute. I think it's like an orangey kind of plaid. Mm-hmm. And it's like a, it looks like a big puffy coat. So, Or it's like piles on top of each other. Like I feel like she's wearing many layers. Layers? Yeah, that could be it. Yeah. And Maybe I love not- the, the, uh, the table they're sitting at. It's what it's called, like a tatami. I can't remember what it's mm. called. But basically it's a Japanese table comforter, which I want. Oh, so you sit on the floor like- and you, you pull this comforter around you and it's heated. Underneath the I table. Am. Yeah. Yes. 
I am into this. I want one of those. I'm like, send me the link. <laughs> why didn't this show up in Canada? This is awesome. <laughs> I mean, I have a heated blanket and it does live in my office now that I work from home and get a lot of use. But that sounds way better. I feel like if I had a heated blanket, the cats would steal it. Probably. I mean, like, the cats on the show love stealing this table. Yeah, I don't blame them. <laughs> so, I have a question. So, for Endymion, like, is he forgivable? He's been so evil since he got pulled away, but everyone still seems in full support of him and wants him to come back to good. But, like, is there a line where he's not forgivable to the girls? <sighs> I guess not. I don't think that there is that line for Usagi. Um, no. Yeah. Because Usagi is 100% committed to healing him, uh, returning his memories and, mm-hmm. you know, bringing him back. But, but you know what? The you, others. You think that the others, I think they all just assume he's under the Dark Kingdom's yeah. control. And once he's healed, you know, he didn't, he's, he's not himself. He's not under his own control. So I think they don't the girls blame him. have seen enough of their own friends and family come under the influence of the dark kingdom and change for them to, to um, realize that that's not really who Mamoru is like he's in Demian. And when he's in Demian, he's just like a monster, like any other Yuma. Yeah. Or any other possessed human. Yeah. Yeah. I think I just wondered if maybe this was a little different because this has been going on for so long now with him and now it's targeted at them. Mm. Yeah. Part of me wants to know if he, so he had a perfect opportunity to just like punch Jupiter in the face, Mm -hmm. but he didn't, he stopped, he stopped and he says, come back when, you know, you're good enough to fight me was pretty much what he said. Do you think that that, was really him saying like come back when you're better or did he really just stop to not I, hurt her I noticed that and wondered that as well too because I feel like sometimes we get little hints that he's still himself mm-hmm. that comes through and like we were saying before where with the ice skating where he did still come and help save the girls so yeah I think at the very end of this episode um when he gets re-brainwashed Beryl mm-hmm. says something along the lines of, oh, I guess his memories weren't completely gone the first time. Mm-hmm. So now he, they have to re-brainwash him. Um, so um, there probably was little traces left. And that's why he hasn't been, like, as evil as, like, the other generals have been. Mm-hmm. Which is tough because the girls don't see that. So they don't have that when they're trying to forgive him. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, feel like we, this episode was really the turning point for them to realize that, okay, the Mamoru they know mm-hmm. is gone. Until Definitely. they heal him, and then he actually physically is gone. And how much did your so heart awful. break that Usagi, well, Sailor Moon, heals him, and then immediately he's pulled back away? Oh, I, know. I know, that was so awful. And you saw what that did to her, and how tired she is, and just worn out afterwards, and he's just gone. Like, she doesn't even get a moment to enjoy it before he's gone. I know. I was like, poor thing. Yeah. Mm. So hard on these kids. (laughs) It really is. And I did notice when he was getting his memories back, like there was that um, a shot of him and Ray, like with her arm in his. It was like, oh, that's what he remembers too, right? Like she, she was still important to him, even though it didn't seem like it when they were dating. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. (laughs) Um, I want to go back a little bit because 
uh, one of the things I really enjoy about this episode is how much Sailor Mercury gets to kick ass. Mm-hmm. Um, because she's always one of my favorites. And I love that in this episode, um, after she runs away with Rio and leaves Jupiter to fight Endymion, and then Endymion shows up. Okay, first of all, it was really stupid that he's like, oh, if you want to get them out, just break this crystal. And I'm like, don't tell them that. <laughs> That's that was dumb. great. It was good. <laughs> yeah. But she gets to use her bubble blast or Shabon spray three times in this episode. Mm-hmm. And mm. I love that he's like, oh, bubbles, what's that going to do? And she grabs the crystal from him and breaks it. And I'm like, ha ha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like seeing her kick some ass. And, and then... I- she uses bubbles as a weapon, which I thought was really cool because she doesn't often get to use bubbles as a weapon. Mm-hmm. It's usually as like a distraction so that the other Sailor Senshi can like do a full on assault. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. the bubbles combined with the thunder, with Jupiter's thunder, mm-hmm. um, as an actual like weapon, like not, it's an offense, not a defense is what she usually is, right? So that yeah. was pretty- I like these episodes where you get to see uh, Mercury really get pissed off Mm because there's been a couple where she's, she actually gets to tap into that, uh, that, that side of her, which you don't often see because of her personality. And I just like that she has that like undercurrent of strength beneath her kind of almost passive demeanor that she taps into every once in a while. I'm going to put my fan theory out there again that I've said before, but I'm pretty sure for Buffy, the vampire slayer, the TV show, Joss Whedon watched Sailor Moon because I feel like the Ami character, there's a lot of parallels to her, to Willow. And mm-hmm. Willow has some similar arcs where she grows and is still who she is. And I, I really think that that was something that's impacted there. Like, I, I really want to know, Joss Whedon, did you watch Sailor Moon? Because I feel like you did. <laughs> or, or is this like becoming kind of like that stereotype. So breaking the stereotype of the nerd girl, I think was something that is probably popular in the nineties because then sort of like that geeky nerd girl became kind of cool. That's what we have hipsters today. (laughs) Right. So I think that that kind of like trope of breaking the nerd girl into like more than just the nerd girl started then. Yeah, late nineties. So oh, do we? I don't know, Genevieve. I mean, you and I were the nerd girls in high school, so <laughs> I'm still a nerd girl. <laughs> I embrace it. Oh, me too. I mean, I think the only difference is is that the Big Bang Theory came out and made being a nerd cool and popular and easily accessible, versus yeah. in those days it really wasn't. I know. Um, yeah, I mean, I would definitely say if that is a trope that. I mean, it definitely looks a lot different today, but I definitely think we could say that things like this were the beginning of that. I think so, too. Absolutely. Like, they're multifaceted characters, not just, oh, she's just the smart one. She's more than that, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing with Willow in Buffy, right? She's not just the one who looks up the information on the computer. Oh, yeah. I love Willow's arc and growth in in Mm -hmm. Buffy. That's why she's my favorite character in that whole show. And she becomes, yeah, she changes from the mousy little nerd girl to a really powerful character. Um, that's one of the things I really liked about Buffy. And I this. Will, 
I will say one of the things that I didn't enjoy in this episode is I am so bored of Coonsite being jealous of Endymion. What is up with that? Yeah, I know. Like, He's like, why don't you send me to... He goes to Vera and she's just like, well, I could have like gone and collected the seven monsters. He's so... He's like a child. He's like, why don't you send me... I've got to say, like, out of the four generals, I really, I can't wait for him to go. I, I mean, <laughs> I didn't mind, like, Jedi, yeah, whatever. I mean, we all know my love, Nephrite. Um, so I was like, it was at least fun, but Kuhn's like, oh my goodness, like, he's just so boring on his own. He's so petty. Yeah, Kunzai yeah, is really used to being the top dog, I think. And um, the fact that Endymion is, just shows up out of nowhere and becomes Beryl's favorite really irks him. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that we get a lot of that coming out, but I agree with you guys. He's very whiny. Yeah. And it's like, come on, dude, you had your chance and you did not take it. So he's the Regina (laughs) George. Yeah. He was too busy manipulating the other generals to actually step up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Mm -hmm. he probably didn't think that they were all going to die. He was hoping that it was just going to be him and Zoysite. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, he'll probably get hit by a bus. (laughs) (laughs) i don't remember how he dies but i'm getting excited for it (laughs) i don't remember how he dies either but it's coming up because we've only got four episodes left yeah Mm -hmm. and we know it doesn't happen in this episode 42 (laughs) (laughs) uh anything else we want to say about this episode Uh, i think we pretty much covered it all um I think we, like, one thing at the very end of the episode, um, we see how Usagi really leans on Ami, because she says, like, he, yeah. she's not allowed to have a boyfriend. Who's going to keep us, like, um, together? Like, who's going to, yeah, who's going to keep us focused? And then Minako's like, isn't that your job? <laughs> I <laughs> she really, that. She really leans on Ami. She does. Yeah. And, and I we don't, we, yeah, we don't we see, see. that, like, right from the beginning, too. Yeah. hmm she um, doesn't, Ami doesn't get the glory she deserves, I don't think. But no. at least this was just kind of like a, she is really important. But I also don't feel like Ami wants the glory. Ami no, seems pretty comfortable just blending in and not standing out, so. Yeah, that's one of the reasons yeah. I really like her. Is that, you know, she's probably, like, the most important person in the group. Uh, she keeps the group together. She does all mm-hmm. of the strategy and the tactics. She figures out the plans. But she doesn't want any of the power or the glory or to be the leader. She's very happy to be uh, the supporting character, which I quite like about her. And I would say that Usagi doesn't want to really stand out either, but she just does. She can't help Mm -hmm. it between being Sailor Moon and just, she's very dramatic in general. Well, Usagi kind of had, she had her destiny thrust upon her. She's like, I don't want to be Sailor Moon. I don't want to be the moon princess. But Mm -hmm. since I am, I got to just figure it out. Right. But yeah, I, I agree. I think she definitely leans on, on Mercury more than she does the other three. Mm-hmm. Agree. Although she does and more, and she, she kind of gets a little closer to Minako too. So I think definitely Usagi's relationship with Minako and Ami are, is closer than her relationship with uh, Rei and Mako. I think she just relates with the different girls in different ways. And mm-hmm. Ami is the one, even though they carry themselves differently, is the one internally that she's the closest to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, such a good episode. I, I we're really was. getting into like these last few episodes are just like edge mm-hmm. of your seat. They're awesome. 
They like, really and the quality is getting better. Yeah. 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 And I actually have gone back and started watching Crystal. So I'm a couple episodes in there and I had heard people, I mean, I know it's been mentioned many times on this podcast that Crystal moves a lot faster because it's closer to the manga, but I'm really enjoying how slow this moves and how much you get to see the characters and how much time there is for character development. So I'll keep up with Crystal. I will watch it all, but I think I'm still just going to like the original Japanese better. Yeah. Well, we may be doing Crystal for our season two of this podcast. We haven't yet decided. (laughs) If you need a guest, you know where to find me. All right, so that was uh, episode 41. So now before we get into episode 42, it is time for our snack break. All right, so today we're having big roll grilled seaweed roll. Um, And the particular, like, so this brand is actually from Thailand. I'm just reading the packaging here. Uh, And then I was looking up, like, I found it. A Huffington Huffington Post article that says how seaweed became mainstream snack in America. And it seems like it it became mainstream in about 2011 when people started being interested in health food. Um, And then I found an L article published last year that apparently says that seaweed is this amazing superfood that will change your life. It'll like... um, it's beneficial for bone health, heart health, your vision, um, anti-aging. It's like, apparently, if you just eat this stuff all day, it'll be amazing for you. So, you mean <laughs> there's a superfood that I actually like? Because usually I'm like, ugh, that's gross. But I love this seaweed stuff. Mm. All right, let me try this one. Yeah, let's, I wasn't uh, expecting it to be hollow. Let's dig in. Yeah, mm. so it's like... It's like um, seaweed, and it looks like it just rolled. Mm-hmm. So oh, it smells different than the seaweed I usually have. It mm-hmm. does. This is a different flavor. So when I was looking for this, I ended up finding a package from the same brand that was flat pieces of seaweed. And I've mm. purchased seaweed before because I'm one of those people who probably read that L article or something similar and picked it up. And did not enjoy the flat one, but then found this one. And I'm glad I like it since the box has nine in. But this <laughs> is funny how different this tastes from the flat one. Yeah, it, it does. a lot more flavor. The flat one did not. I really like the flat ones. Um, this one is sweet. Mm-hmm. So in the ingredients of this one, there's seaweed, sugar, spice, shiitake, cinnamon, clove, mm. pepper. Mm. And then there's like um, car- caramel yeah. in it as well. So I it's don't know kind of if I like sweeter. the sweetness. It's very I do. different. Mm. I prefer like when I want to eat like seaweed, it's because I need salt. I mean, mm. and this does have salt in it. Um, it's really interesting because typically like those packs of the flat seaweed that you can snack on mm. will be anywhere between like 30 and 50 calories per little packet. Mm-hmm. But yeah. these are 10 per stick. Oh. It's not quite enough. I'm eating a second one. And so the thing is, is I usually like those flat pieces. I usually find the ones that are like a smaller rectangle, like they're a little bit wider. And I yeah. usually enjoy those that come in a little tray. But it was when mm-hmm. I bought this brand and the flat pieces, no. But this is delicious. I'm really enjoying this roll. I can't get over the sweetness. Because like you said, Tracy, I, I, I think that I eat these because I want salt. 
Mm-hmm. And seaweed and and sweet in my in my mind does not really compute. Yeah, it's I don't weird. I don't dislike it, mm-hmm. but I really think that I would prefer I prefer the the flat olive oil salty ones. Yeah, mm. um, I do I, have to say those ones are usually salty, and I enjoy them. Is it just this brand that doesn't put a lot of salt? Mm, maybe. It still has. Uh, 55 milligrams per roll of salt. Mm. I'm so bad at knowing how much salt is good for you because I just like it on everything. (laughs) I have to say, when I looked at the package and I saw it was 10 calories per serving Mm -hmm. and literally a package is a serving, I thought this wasn't going to have any flavors. I'm pleasantly surprised. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. It has a lot of flavor. It's that like Um, cinnamon and clove and then that caramel kind of flavor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's not. I think that's what I. I'm not crazy about. Yeah. Um, I have to finish off the package because Brent does not like uh, seaweed snacks. He prefers to have his mm. seaweed in sushi form. Um, yes, me too. <laughs> Fair. I, I'm not gonna lie. That is my preference, of course. Yeah. But um, I started having these seaweed snacks because my sister uh, was feeding them to her kids, and she always makes sure that her kids have healthy snacks, which is awesome. Um, and I'm like. But that can't be healthy. It's seaweed. So she's like, here, have a pack and try it. And it was good. So hmm. I'm like, mm. Your Finally, sister's a better a health- parent than me. <laughs> there's a healthy food I like, and it's seaweed. <laughs> my idea of my child eating healthy is I only let him have Pop-Tarts once a week on Thursday. There you go. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. If you don't is- know the gift, look it up. <laughs> Your kid is so active that it doesn't matter. <laughs> You have to give your kid slightly <laughs> fatter, fatter foods, or else you know he'll be a skeleton. <laughs> mm. So yeah, overall, I rated a not bad, not my favorite, but okay. I think they have different flavors. I might try a different flavor, but I don't know how I like the the original classic flavor. Yeah. I think I'll buy this again, but it's a lot of packaging, so I don't think I'm going to buy it very often. It is a lot of packaging, because, like, yeah. I ate two of those mm-hmm. rolls. And I then just I'm like three. <laughs> <laughs> and then each one is individually wrapped. I think, like, these would be cute in, like, a kid's lunch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I might save some for Halloween for the kids who can't eat other things. <laughs> They're definitely not gluten-free, though, if they have soy sauce in. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there, there we go. That was our snack for the day. Big roll grilled seaweed roll. Hmm. All right. So let us move on to episode 42, Sailor Venus's Past, Minako's Tragic Love, uh, which was never translated uh, in the original 90s uh, translation. Um, so we this is episode we get a little bit more of Minako's past before she became, before she came to Japan and became uh, a sailor guardian or sailor senshi. Uh, and we learn about uh, some friends that she had in England and what she was doing there as Sailor V, which is really interesting. Um, and kind of annoying that it got cut out because you never really, in the original, you don't really, uh, or in the, sorry, in the translation, you don't really learn anything about Minako's past. Mm-hmm. So I find it really interesting that, so when she does her flashback and we hear about her history and she's telling Usagi the story, she's like, it all happened six months ago. 
Yes. Like, six months ago was not a very long time. At least I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I kind of thinking like the exploding thing happened six months ago and she disappeared from England six months ago. But some of that other stuff happened before. I That's what questions. I'm guessing. Like, <laughs> like, how did she get in contact with Artemis when she came back to Japan? How did she become Sailor V? These were not answered and I was expecting them and I am a little disappointed. <laughs> Me too. Like, did she know Artemis before she went to England and why didn't Artemis go with her? Is it because he didn't want to be in one of those cat carry totes or? (laughs) See now like I always assumed that Artemis um, was with her in England because how else would she have become Sailor V? Like how else would she have gotten her magic trinkets? Exactly and he very clearly from what he was saying was not in England at all so I don't understand. Yeah I, I I didn't get that either. I assumed that that's where they had met because otherwise, how did she transform into Sailor V? Mm-hmm. It made it seem like she was Sailor V before she left Japan. And then she's like, okay, Artemis, there's like a random Dark Kingdom monster, like literally just one Dark Kingdom monster on the streets of London. And that was why she took a plane all the way to England. Mm hmm. Yeah, so in the Sailor V manga, I haven't read it for a while, so I could be totally wrong. But I'm pretty sure that Artemis is there. And, like, because she has her transformation. Mm -hmm. Hmm, I have to reread the manga. I'm not sure. Hmm. Anyway. Um, Is anyone wondering how they break into the arcade after hours? (laughs) I assume at this point they have a key. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess, I guess they probably secure that you would have now. But <laughs> yeah. I figure they know where, where Matoki lives. They've broken into his house and made a copy of his key. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So they're just breaking a few laws. <laughs> Listen, they're getting like- into Batman territory here. <laughs> They can control fire and lightning. I'm pretty sure they can just break into anywhere they want. And then they're also breaking into several stores to find, like, the entrance to the Dark Kingdom. And I am so glad that Usagi takes dumplings to go. I know. I'm like, did she... Were the stores open? Because she's like, at every store we stopped at, she ate. And I'm like, but did she... So did she steal the food or were the stores open? (laughs) I'm pretty sure it was implied that the stores were open and that she was purchasing the food. <laughs> I, don't know, like, I think how, so. Yeah. How did they choose where to search? Because Usagi searches, searches all the Odongo stores and Minako searches the spas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? I love that they were alike there. <laughs> uh, oh, and there was that really fun scene where Usagi wakes up in the middle of the night and decides to eat some buns of something and then she's like choking to death while the cats are having a serious conversation (gasps) oh my goodness i loved that so much they don't even like try to help her out they just continue on like oh she'll be fine and at the end they're like idiot Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm like oh well in first stage you learn that it's only when they stop making noise that then you have to be concerned. Yeah, she was still breathing <laughs> and, and she, talking. And she's still fun. breathing and true. asking for water, so she's fine. <laughs> yeah, this is true. 
Um, so, I'm a little like Katerina job. So she's a police Interpol that's posted in England, but she's wearing an English police officer uniform. I'm not getting this. I don't think the animators got that either. Don't worry. No. <laughs> I don't know. I, I fully admit I'm a little sensitive to this because my dad actually was a London Bobby. He moved to Canada. So a little bit somewhat familiar with British policing. So I was just a little confused there because Interpol and London, well, English police are not the same thing. <laughs> I think yeah. maybe they just didn't do their research. That's all. They were like, I nobody's going to catch this. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess Google has since been invented, and I did. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, so I clicked right. on early I clicked, 90s. Fair. <laughs> I clicked on Katarina's name in the Sailor Moon wiki, mm-hmm. and it says six months prior to the events of Episode Forty Two, Minako had gone to London after hearing reports of Dark Kingdom activity there, and it was in London that she met Katarina. So I guess this did all happen in six months, oh. and she was in Japan. Presumably, already had met Artemis. She mm-hmm. went to London to fight Dark Kingdom activity, blew up, and then came back to Japan. Hmm. I think. It sounds like she was there for like a week. I know. <laughs> so like in love. six months, she mm-hmm. establishes herself as Sailor V, meets an Interpol officer, becomes like sisters with her, falls mm-hmm. in love with Alan, introduces Alan to Katarina. Katarina and Alan fall in love. Mm-hmm. Minako doesn't notice. They have like a bunch of dates and fun stuff together. And then Minako leaves. Like, six months seems like a not very long time for all of that. It does. Well, I think it's... Like, she was in English when she left. That was kind of how I interpreted it. But it sounded like she spent quite a bit of time in England. Just a couple of months, maybe? I'm thinking she was... Okay, because she was probably Sailor V... Before she's probably Sailor V in Japan for a while and mm-hmm. then went to England. That's what I'm thinking because she's yeah, already so. like she has yeah. she is in a video game in the first episode, right? Yeah. So she's already yeah. established. Um, and then she does come to the she is the last to join the rest of the Sailor Senshi. So I think that that timeline might kind of line up. Like maybe she came back. Um. And then uh, that's when she joined the rest of the Sailor Senshi. Okay, so I found the the plot summary for the sail for Codename Sailor V manga. Um, the Sailor Moon wiki is pretty awesome. So Codename Sailor V is the story of Minako. Blah blah blah. Meets Artemis. Claims that Minako. Artemis claims that Minako is a girl with the power to transform into a guardian more powerful and beautiful than anyone else. <laughs> He bestows upon her a mission to protect the Earth in the name of her guardian planet Venus. To help her with this mission, Artemis gives her two items, a crescent moon-shaped compact and a magical pen. The pen allows her to transform into her alter ego, the sailor-suited and beautiful guardian of justice, Sailor V. Sailor V fights against the agents of the Dark Agency, headed by the mysterious Danburite. At the end of the series, Minako remembers her previous light with the other sailor Senshi and realizes that her duty to protect the moon princess is more important than romance. Shedding her identity as Sailor V, she begins her true mission as Sailor Venus. 
So that's apparently what happens in the manga. Like I said, it's been a long time since I've read it. So I know at the very end of the manga, um, Usagi shows up, which is cute. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I've got to say, at the end of the episode, you have Usagi referring to Monaco and saying she's more mature than the rest of them. And she's lived a lot. And hearing that background, that really does make sense. Yeah. She's definitely the most experienced of all of the senshi. Mm-hmm. Because she's had this previous uh, experience as Sailor V. But, uh, huh. Yeah, and she's still... definitely, like, the most powerful of them. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so, yes. Yeah. So, this this plot is that Katarina is in Japan and meets up with, uh, with Minako. But Kunzite's already gotten to her and transformed her into a Yuma named Papillon, mm-hmm. which is, I love this monster design. She is know, so awesome so, looking. So pretty. It's so weird. Pretty. Did you notice that her butterfly wings come out of her head, though? That's yeah. I still think um, that's cool. <laughs> so I find the relationship between Minako and Katarina interesting because in the translation, she keeps calling her Katarina in the subtitles. But when you listen to it, she calls her Onesama. So, yeah, that like, that means big sister. Right. So like oh. that's like so she really thinks of her as her big sister. Yeah. Huh. And I think uh does Katarina call Minako little sister? I can't remember what that is. Or does she call her Minako? I'm assuming it would be something like Onechan. Yeah. And I think she does. Yeah. Except she doesn't address her as often as Monaco addresses Katarina. Yeah. And it's like a uh Onesama is a term of endearment for older for, for actual big sisters, like if biologically, but also for older women that you look up to. Which I think is very sweet. Um Yeah, so we get other than this big history with uh with Katarina and, and learning about Minako's past, um we get another instance of the transformation pen where she turns mm-hmm. into a sailor. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I Did love you... the skills of a sailor to drive a random boat. <laughs> so did I read the translation properly? Did she ask to become a cute seagull sailor? Yeah. Yes. Cause that's what's in my notes. <laughs> I was I like, what was that like a really bad trend? A cute seagull sailor. I don't know what a seagull has to do with being a sailor, but me either. I think it was a translation issue. <laughs> but her hair was so cute. Yes, <gasps> it was. Oh my gosh. I loved it that short. She looks so cute with little tiny uh, odongos. Mm-hmm. And that little hat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love okay. how she, she stays a sailor for a long time before she turns into Sailor Moon. She mm-hmm. does. Again, more illegal activity. She's stealing a boat, so she's already had in one evening a break and enter, and now there's some theft going on. <laughs> like, it's no big deal. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Like, that's... A boat is huge. That's, like... Yeah. Serious. Like, grand theft... Like, that's huge. More I than mean, breaking into a video game store. Yeah, and I mean, the whole video game store, like, we all know Makoto's a sweetheart. If the police come, he's going to say, oh, I lent them the key. I shouldn't have. I'm sorry. But this is full-on theft. Yeah. The person who owns that boat isn't going to be like, uh, oh, yeah, no, these girls were just having fun. 
It's going to be like, give me back my boat. <laughs> yeah. And why is there a random cruise ship in the middle of the ocean that's mm-hmm. just just there? Completely yeah. empty. Yeah. It's a trap. It's a trap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I also found like after they were fighting uh, Katarina as Papillon, Sailor Venus has to beg Sailor Moon to save <gasps> her. I know. And I'm like, that seems to me to be going against Sailor Moon. Like, I yes. understand where, I, yeah. I kind of understand where she's coming from, but she's like, you know, she hurt you, she broke your heart. But Sailor Moon would never, ever be the type who's like, well, I'm going to kill her. That yeah. just goes against her character 100%. The only thing that I could think there is we've talked a lot about Usagi's loyalty to her friends, and she really questioned Monaco on that. So I think the only thing I could think was that she was thinking that this is what Monaco would want. And that's why she, and it was out of loyalty. Because I agree, like, it was completely against character for her. It just was not Usagi at all. Like, she yeah. really needed some convincing to just mm-hmm. to not destroy a human. And that was really weird. Yeah, I was really surprised by that. And even when Evil Monaco was like, no, save her. And she's like, okay, sure, I guess. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm like, so, okay, well, maybe Sailor Moon was just like, no, that doesn't make any sense either. Like, if you had put Rey in that situation instead, where Venus is, like, telling Sailor Mars, please don't kill her, that makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. But Sailor Moon, no. That whole part, I was, yeah. I was really surprised by that. That was, uh, that shook me a little. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, Sailor Moon did have a really strong reaction to to Minako's story. Like she's crying, and she cries over everything, though. So I know, but real. like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she really does. I mean, she read manga in the last episode and cried. <laughs> <laughs> and Ray wanting her to have it was because she want, didn't want her to get tears on it. So <laughs> this, is, this is a Sailor Moon thing. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, so. The reason this website says it didn't make it into the Deke English dub was probably due because of the use of weapons, uh, like the hand grenade. Oh, yeah. And Hmm. the mature theme of having a love triangle. And I'm like, but that's what the whole show is about. (laughs) It really is. I mean, all no fairness, though, they did edit out a lot of the love triangle with Mamoru and Rei and Usagi. They did edit a lot of that out of the Deke version. It was basically just, oh... Ray is dating Mamoru, but now he's now he's Endymion, and they are no longer. Somebody put a comment on this website. They said, "I wondered was the abandoned ship in this episode the same one from I Want a Boyfriend? The luxury cruise ship is the trap." <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I, like, I love that comment. It's the Dark Kingdom boat. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. I would assume so. I mean, they do like to repurpose. <laughs> They do. I mean, like, in the last episode, yeah. they even recycled the Yuma. Mm. <laughs> that was a good line Usagi had in the last episode where she's just like, if you want to recycle, recycle cans. Oh, I love that, too. <laughs> that was really good. Leave these people alone. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah so was... that's... This is a really good episode to learn about Minako. I can kind of see why it would be cut, but I also disagree with it being cut. Mm-hmm. Also, I, I think know. that if somebody I think faked their own death, I'd be pissed at them. 
<laughs> I, I'm a little more confused. Like, I don't know if it really adds to Monaco's history because as we spent the first couple of minutes trying to figure out in this episode, like, what's the timeline? It doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Does it make sense? Where does it really fit in? And I think that it would have just left, you know, teens and tweens in the 90s really confused without the internet to, like, really you know, delve into this. But you know what? That's a good point. Like, did we see, like, we saw a little bit of Kunzite, didn't we? Because he set this up, talking to Beryl, but, like, we didn't see, like, an update on Endymion. We didn't see Endymion at all this episode, did we? So this really could have been one that was made and could have been inserted, I feel, in a couple of different spots in the season. The one important thing, I think, that this episode had was the fact that they're searching for where the, the Yuma are coming from at the very, very yes. beginning. true. Like, they're trying to figure out how to get into the Dark Kingdom. Um mm-hmm. And Which why comes... are they thinking it's like in a store? <laughs> like because they wanted Odongos. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel like they're just like maybe trying everything, and they're like, okay, well, we'll start with stores since most of these Dark Kingdom schemes seem to involve retail, that's and then we'll move on true. to amusement parks. <laughs> I mean, just look for the ninety percent off sale. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, the the fact that they're looking for an entrance to uh, the Dark Kingdom is is really becomes more important in the, mm-hmm. in the last four episodes because they're trying to they're like okay let's finish this once and for all they're almost at that point now, which is exciting. I think it's really exciting. It is. I've got to say I've really enjoyed the last couple of episodes. just gearing up for the end of the season. They're a full team now. Yeah, we're really getting into to the fun parts. Uh, yeah, so anything else you guys want to cover for this episode? Um, no, I think that's it. I think the only last thought I had was I really liked that they focused on the relationship between Monaco and Katarina and not so much Monaco and Alan like you really didn't get any kind of sense of who Alan was or understanding of him or if he did have any feelings for Monaco which I'm assuming he didn't because he's quite a bit older than her yeah if he's dating someone who's a police officer <laughs> so yeah it's, both Katarina and like a Alan yeah. yeah both Katarina yeah. and Alan are quite a bit older than her it seems like mm-hmm. uh, and that's yeah. why she says Katarina says to her I didn't realize that you felt that way about him I thought of you as a child Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, she really did think of her as a little sister. All right. So that is Sailor Venus's past Minako's tragic love, which really is fairly tragic, but ends happily, more or less. Um, <laughs> so we are in the final four episodes. So stay tuned next time where we are going to watch episodes 43 and 44. Usagi abandoned the falling out of the Sailor Guardians and Usagi's Awakening, a message from the distant past. Ooh. Um, I remember the next one. Uh, that That's a good one. I, I like these episodes coming up. Uh, so, yeah, that's it for us at Sailor Snacking. Thank you for being on the show again, Karina. We really enjoy having you. Thank you so much. Happy to come back anytime. <laughs> Uh, so you can find us uh, on Instagram at Sailor Snacking. Uh, if you want to email us, you can email us at truenorthnerds at gmail.com. 
Uh, we're also on Facebook under True North Nerds. And there is the True North Nerds website, which is uh, really needs to be updated, but I will get on that at some point. So you can find us uh, at any of those places. Um, yeah, I can't remember if that's anything else I say to end this. So that's where I'm going to end. <laughs> <laughs> thank you all for listening. <laughs> yes, thank you all for listening. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>